What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. So today I'm really excited because this is actually one of the first conversations that I've had with somebody that I haven't really connected with about their personal story or their financial journey. Um, today I'm speaking with Sofia Bastida, who I met through the community on Slack for Snowball Wealth, which is, um, if you guys haven't heard of them, a platform that helps young people to really get a handle on their debt situation and tackle their debt and also just manage their personal finances. They sponsored two episodes on the podcast back in October of 2020 and uh, September also of 2020. So definitely check those episodes out. Um, but for uh, this episode, I'm super excited to welcome you, Sophia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I love the energy already. That's <laughs> so right, girl. Energy on 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Sophia. Um, I do go by Sophie, but Sophia is totally fine, you know, sharing my Latinx roots. Um, yeah. So a little quick intro about myself is I'm originally from California, so born and raised. Um, I am Mexican. Um, I currently live in New York City. I actually moved back to New York City to start a new job. So I work in talent acquisition for a financial services firm here in Midtown. I did start my career off in public accounting. So definitely did a little career switch. And I am 24 going on to 25 years old. So just a little bit about myself. Thank you for that intro. That was like a snapshot about Sophia's life. Um, love it. So Mexican American from California originally, but now in New York City. That must be uh, a drastic change but you said you moved back to New York City so you were here and then you left and then you came back yeah so I moved to New York City in April 2019 for a new job um and then with the pandemic I was like okay well I might as well go home for like a month you know like at least I'll be in a home instead of an apartment right. then I ended up being home for like a year unexpectedly so yeah yeah, now I'm I mean, back listen, but I, that's nice that I've been nice. away from home for like quite some time too because I went to school um in Philly so I went to Drexel University so I mean I've been on the east coast for quite some time already ah uh, okay so you're pretty much an east coaster at this point yeah. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> drastic anymore cool well yeah. Sophia has a very interesting uh story a personal story relating to her student loan debt which we're going to get to um it's going to be the meat of the episode but I always as with you know all the episodes if you've been listening for a while you know I like to start with the two stories about regret and not regretting financial um purchases or um you know experiences so we'll start with the regret what was your biggest maybe most expensive purchase or experience that you pay for that you regret to this day because it was just so much money and you wish you could just take it all back I, so this one, I honestly hate to even admit this one, but it's going to say, it's going to be buying a timeshare. Oh, <laughs> so tell I us about it. Share. Tell us about it. I, I yeah. you know timeshare is something that so many people like don't really want to admit or talk about. So this is great. Cause I, I have know. never talked about this on the show. <laughs> tell us girl. So I bought this one when I was 21. So it started off, I went home for that summer. So I had just graduated from college. And my parents were like, oh, we have like this free trip, like you're going to come with us, you know, at a resort. I was like, okay, sounds good. I've never been. So yeah, of course I'm down. So we go there and then they, my parents go through the show and I didn't even go through it. I think I like just sat on the side and like I was studying for an exam for like a certain license since I was in accounting. Um, and then my dad was like, oh, come up, you know, we're like done with the show. You could just sit with us. And then he was like, oh, like, it sounds really good. It's so cheap. Like it was like. 16,000 or something like that and he was like oh you know like would you want to go like 50 50 and I was just like um well I mean I have the money but like I don't know and he was like obviously you know the salesman is right there too and he was like right oh you know it's good there. if you yeah and he was like oh it's good if you travel and that was something that I really wanted to do continue traveling and he was like oh you know you could like rent it out make money that way so then long story short the plan was like okay let's get this timeshare it's not that expensive we could pay it off in six months zero interest and we could like rent it out as like passive income and use that money to pay off my student loans that was the plan that, that did not happen <laughs> oh man ay 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 so okay six months the goal was six months no interest what was the reality mm -hmm. no that was what happened so I put half down right up front and then my dad made the other payment got it got yeah. it yeah but so, even to this day like we don't use it like you have to pay like monthly maintenance I mean yearly maintenance fees they go up in price like I don't even know how to use it people don't really return my calls so I'm just like this is yeah. a sketch this is a scam like I don't want this anymore 
Yeah, it is sketch and it is a scam. I mean, the way that they push it so hard when you go to these meetings mm-hmm. and it's just so um, predatory is really what it is. They try to convince people. Yep. And even when, you know, like, cause I remember going to one of those events, one of my nieces one time, she was like, yeah, I got a phone call. And they were telling me that I got a free trip to, you know, I think it was like Jamaica. I got a free trip to Jamaica. If I go to this presentation, I just have to go. I just have to sit there and watch the presentation. That's it. I don't have to buy anything and I can get a free trip. And I was like, that sounds a little weird. That doesn't really happen. Like, why wouldn't they just give you the free trip right now then? And she's Mm -hmm. like, no, no, because they just want to fill up the audience. I'm like, okay, all right. So we go. And of course, yeah, of course, it was exactly that. Like her naivete, my naivete, but thank goodness I knew enough at that point to be like, absolutely not. We are not buying this. And they were like, do you have any family members? Do you have any other? We were like, no, we do not want to buy anything. And they're like, well, everybody comes in with that mindset, but let's, let, let us show you, you know, the, with the value of what you're getting. And they yeah. sat there and they would not stop until we were both just looking at each other. Like, all right, should we just leave? Like, we are just going to walk out. And then finally <laughs> they let her fill out her little form. And I think she actually did end up getting a free trip to Jamaica, which is crazy. But the experience that we had to go through was basically saying no 150 times to a bunch of different salespeople. And then they go to their next supervisor up and the next supervisor mm-hmm. up and then they keep bringing people out trying to convince you to sign and it's ridiculous like I will never exactly. ever ever I never want to be in that room again after that experience yeah no it was exactly how you described it and again like my dad didn't even know he was just like you know being gullible too and yeah so don't do that yeah. <laughs> most people I think they they definitely hear the sales pitch and they're like oh it sounds good it sounds good sounds too good to mm-hmm. be true it is if it sounds too good to be true it is too good to be true. That's the reality. Learn that the hard way. <laughs> right. All right. So what about on the flip side of that? What is a time that you spent a lot of money, so much, huge purchase or experience that you don't regret? You would not take it back. Even if other people look at you like, Sophia, are you crazy? I can't believe you spent all that money. But for you, you're like, <laughs> I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was worth it for me. Yeah. So I think that would have to be on the travel side of things. So, I mean, I haven't traveled that much, but I have gone to like different parts of Mexico to visit family and also just for myself. Um, When I graduated from college, I like booked a trip to Europe. Like it was just a week long with friends. So those experiences, I have like no regrets whatsoever, because again, I think those are like, I created memories and, you know, like no money can't really buy memories. So for those, I don't regret it and also like I'm someone who loves just seeing new things or just experiencing different types of cultures um so I would say on the travel side of things I like have no regrets there yeah absolutely that's something I definitely agree with I mean you know everybody's different some people just don't really care much about traveling but I I to me it's like Mm -hmm. huge it's so huge getting yeah just go experience a totally different life even if it's just for a few days hoping for more travel experiences so that's right yeah I definitely think a lot of people are putting their travel fund money you know stacking up their travel fund money so they can start uh, taking those Mm -hmm. trips again exactly cool so you have a a very unique and interesting story when it comes to your student loan situation can you tell us um tell us a little bit about that yeah so I guess I'll start from the beginning just to make it more easy to follow Um, So essentially, I went to a private university that I obviously was not able to afford. The way for me to go to this university was through loans. So, you know, like when I was applying to colleges and everything, my parents always said, oh, you know, like go to whatever school you want. We just want you to go to college because they didn't go to college. So it's like pick whatever school you want. We'll figure it out type of thing. We'll figure it out. So I went to Drexel University. It was a private school. They offered me the most aid, actually, from all the other universities, but still, it wasn't even that much, because I think at that time, Drexel was probably like 65000 a year, and then it just kept going up, um, and my parents were like middle-income earners at the time, so I didn't get much aid, so my means of going to college was through taking out, you know, the federal student loans into my name, so that was like a mix of subsidized and, and unsubsidized student loans, and then right. my mom took out that big Parent PLUS loan to cover the rest of it. So my freshman year ended up being the most expensive because since I was like out of state, you had to be on living on campus. You had to have the meal plan. That year was like a lot. Um, And I was in a five-year program. So end up, you know, long story short, I ended up graduating about like 3.5 years early. Yeah, 3.5 years early, early, just because I started realizing like, you know, a little bit more about like 
I'm taking out another loan. My mom was taking out another loan. I knew that there was like a large amount waiting for me at the end. So I was like, I'm going to try to like fast track this if I can, because yes. I'm already like going to be in a tough spot. So I ended up graduating with relatively about 120K in student loans with about 100K of that being from my mom. So from the parent plus loan. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so so I was 20,000 like, was you. 20,000 was you mm-hmm. and a hundred thousand was all just mom. Oof. Yeah. Oh, so my geez. mom was taking that. That was like a hard hit on my mom. Um, mm-hmm. But again, so like I graduated early. So I was like, okay, you know, like I know I have student loans, but like I'll pay it off in five years, like whatever. I didn't really think about like a plan at the time. I was like, oh, I'll pay it off in five years. I'm good. Yep. Yep. And then September of 2018 rolls around. And that was when the first payment was due. So that's when I like go into the account. And again, I manage like all of like, I like my mom's passwords. I am her password memory. So she doesn't know how to do it. I access everything for her. So I went in there and I saw that balance. And that was when I first saw that big hundred plus number. And I was just like, am I paying this off in five years? (laughs) Oh, you're like, ah, five years. Uh, Five years. Yeah. So that's kind of like when reality kind of hit me because I was just like, I need to stop saying I'm about to pay this off in five years because I don't even know how the, how I'm going to do that. Right. Um, and at the time, I like, you know, I was working a lot throughout college because at Drexel, you have like the co-op program. So a co-op is basically like a six-month internship where you're working full-time and getting paid like a full-time employee. So you go to school for six months, you work full-time for six months. So I did that. So I was like making good money while going to you know, going to school because I like pay my rent, had to pay my groceries, all those additional expenses. And then I was also like taking on like part-time jobs and I was just always working if I wasn't in school. Let's just put it that way. And so I was saving all this money that like I wasn't doing anything with. I just felt like, you know, like I was a baller because my bank account was so high. That's why I bought the timeshare. That's why, you know, I was going on these trips and everything. So I made like a big payment for September. um, But then I was just like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to like pay this off. Like I'm not even making much in public accounting. I'm living in Philly. Like it's just not adding up. Um, so I spent like work was slow. So like month of like October, November was pretty slow at work. So I was like, okay, well I'm going to like, you know, use this time where I'm getting paid to work to like do my own thing because there's no work. So I was like taking care of all my personal affairs. I was doing like all this research regarding student loans. Like what type of loans do I even have? Like what's the difference? Because again, I didn't know anything. I just know I had over hundred K in student debt. So that told me enough. So I was just like really Googling, you know, the basic little things that I probably should have known, but I didn't know. And then I came across like an article that talked about like refinancing. So I was like, what is refinancing? Like, my my student loans that were in my name their rates were pretty low so I was like I'm not going to refinance those but my mom's parent plus loan I think they were like 7.8 interest rates so by the time yeah so by the time I had graduated like the they probably accumulated like 15k in interest right off the bat right right because I was like I know I didn't take we didn't take out 100k in loans but with interest it got there so I was like okay well yeah, I was like, okay, let me look into refinancing my mom's parent plus loan. I thought that would have been like easy peasy, but no. So I did end up refinancing it like come December 2018. But that was like a roller coaster just because I guess I realized that as a student or like as a child, it's hard to refinance for the parent without the parent co-signing. And I couldn't have my mom co-sign because she didn't have like a high credit score. So no, I was like, really not, on cause, my cause own she had $100,000 of debt. So her credit score <laughs> took a nosedive. <laughs> yeah. So I had my credit score tapped into like probably like three times until I found one that actually would allow me as the child to do it. And then from there, mm-hmm. I like look, cut the interest rate in half. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to make really aggressive payments because I have a bunch of money just sitting in my savings, not doing anything for me. I mean, mm-hmm. in hindsight, I should have been making payments off the back, but I wasn't because I didn't right. know. Um, so that's really what helped me cut off like a good chunk of that, like easily, like over, like maybe like 25, 30 K I like cut off off the back by like liquidating my savings and just keeping like three to like about like three months worth of money in there. And then again, I was like working. So basically every paycheck, I just like threw it towards my loans because I was like, I'm trying to be done with this. Like I'm not playing around. I want to be debt free. Like it's possible. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then I got a new job to move to New York City. Obviously, New York City is a higher cost of living, um, but it's really what you make of it. So I moved to New York City. You know, I was making more money, but my cost of living didn't increase much from Philly cost of living. So that's where I was like, you know, I had more money to throw towards my loans too. And every time I'd get a bonus, throw it towards my loans. Um, Started like seeing where my money was really going to. Um, So long story short, I paid off 120K in about 26 months. So I think November 19th, 2001, I mean, 2020 was my payoff date, which I still like kind of like can't believe, but yeah. yeah. That is nuts. That's why you can't believe it because it's hard to believe. That's insane. And there's so many parts to the story. I'm like, I'm like holding my breath as you're speaking. Like, and to, and because, you know, well, I'll say two, like two of them, I think that really uh, is crazy. One is most people who do something like that, when they find out that their parents are on the hook for it, they're like, oof, all right, well, it's not my problem. That's mommy's problem. And that's why I did it. Yeah. And I just like commend you so much for being like, no, I can't just, I can't just wipe my hands clean of this and just pay off my 20 K mm-hmm. and let, and let mommy have to deal with the hundred K like that's it. She did it because of me and for me. And I have to be yeah. involved. I know so many young people, they just go like, well, that was my, that's my mom's debt. Technically. Like she took that on. I know. And it's just heartbreaking because like, and that's what, yeah, that's what gets me. Yeah. Cause so many parents, they don't know what they're getting themselves into, just like students don't know when they're signing on student loans. Some of these parents they sign, they don't know either. Everybody's just trying to get the American dream, trying to get the degree, trying exactly. to get that successful yep. career. Try- and we all are equally like a lot of times victims in these situations. Um, and it's just, I was just like holding my breath, but it, then I just <laughs> love that you said, no, I log in as my mom and I look to see what is SGOs and how can I take action on this? Because it's not fair for me to just wipe my hands clean of it. I a hundred percent agree with that. So I love that you did that. And then, you know, the second thing that stuck out to me is like, you're, how brave you were because a lot of people are so connected tied to and stuck to their savings and you you really only need to have a few months of of saving of spending money for your savings account covid has definitely taught us that maybe a month or two of rent alone is maybe that's not enough yeah. maybe maybe it's important to have a little bit more but in the middle of a pandemic that you were brave enough to say okay i'm going to keep my few months of living expenses but it is time for me to stop hoarding all this cash and <laughs> use it to be strategic about my debt. Because I cannot tell you how many people recently I found out that it shocks me how many young people like in their t- late, mid twenties, late twenties and thirties and late thirties that I know personally have told me like, I can, I'm thinking of three right now. I'm not going to put them on blast, but like literally in the past <laughs> few months that three people that have told me that they have like months and months and months, like a year or more of cash sitting in a savings account and they just cannot get themselves to invest it or to use it because they're scared. They're like, that's my money that they're too stuck to connected to that, that sa- that pile of mm-hmm. savings in the bank. I know. And that was me. Like, I mean, I was just like, no, like I'm not rich anymore, but it's like, girl, I have all this debt. I'm not rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Cause you really do so. feel like a, you feel fake rich. You're like, I got all this money. No, yeah. you, you got all, you got all this debt, girl. It pains me to hear you say that your mom's parent plus one was 7.8% because that is just, and it wasn't crazy. that high to begin with, but it went up. So That's like at the time, insane. I guess it was like variable and then it went fixed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, it, and I went feel fixed like when you, did it, go, it went fixed when you refinanced it, right? It was 7.8%. And then when I refinanced it, I got it down to like 4.98%. And then I was thinking about refinancing again. But then I was like, well, I'm almost done with it. So I think it's fine. Right. But it's just nuts to me because when you think about like federal student loans right now, because of the, you know, the new new, uh, regulations with COVID and everything, new student loans right now are 2.75%. And just because it's a, so because it's a parent, we're going to quadruple that. Like it, mm-hmm. how does that, how does that make any sense? It's just taking advantage. I know. And it's not fair to the parents. Yeah. No. And especially if like, I mean, if I chose to not help my mom, oh, she would have been screwed. Like she wouldn't even be able to make those payments. She would literally be in debt for the rest of her life. Exactly. Like, off the back. Because and I know be- other parents that are like that too. Yeah, uh, that, that's like what I'm saying. It's like that's, yeah. that is such a common situation for so many parents to end up in that situation because they didn't really understand their, you know, children didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And now they're on the hook for that debt. But like, 
like you said, as a middle income person, it's not like your mom was loaded. It's not like she could just pay that off and also maintain mm-hmm. her lifestyle and also prepare for her retirement and also make sure her mortgage is good and make sure her, like there, there's so much to maintaining a middle-class lifestyle and adding a hundred thousand dollars for one child to go to college. Imagine <laughs> if it was two, three, four, like my parents do this for my other two siblings too. So <gasps> just like what you said, it was three of us. Oh my goodness. It was. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I am taking control of this because I like, yeah, I don't want to be the reason why you couldn't do this. I'm going to own up to it. I'll be accountable and be done with it. If you out here listening and you and your mom and dad know that y'all have some parent plus notes for you. Take responsibility, people. <laughs> you see what Sophia's doing? Yeah. Like, you, because the thing is that it's just not, it, you have to put yourself in your parents' shoes and imagine yourself doing mm-hmm. something like that for your child one day and then your exactly. child is totally screwing you and being like, oh, well, it's in your credit, not mine. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I know. you know. And it's like, I, I wouldn't be where I am if my mom didn't do that or if my dad didn't, you know. My mom chose to do it for me this time, but if it, same thing with my dad, if he did it, like, or if neither of them did it, I wouldn't where I am so like I'm I would I could only be grateful that they did that right exactly and show the gratitude by owning up to really your the responsibility yeah. to make sure to get on top of that debt um I love that or right, I'm gonna be real nosy what about your brothers and sisters have they taken the same kind of like responsibility as you or are they kind of like being a little bit more slacky about it <laughs> so that's why like I'm the youngest so me being the youngest I saw how it was for them going to school and the struggles that my parents went through to get them through. And then when they graduated, they didn't end up helping. Mm. Yeah. And then me being the youngest one, I also saw like, so like I like always paid my own rent. Like I didn't like need my parents to help me with anything in college. And I, I think it was a part of it was pride. I was definitely that prideful little Mexican that was like, nah, I got it type of thing. Yep. Um, but I think I was like that because I would see like, if my siblings, my siblings living me money or like me and my parents would pay their rent because that was the case. Then I would see like at home how it was with my mom and dad, like, oh, like, why don't, why didn't you have money to pay, you know, the electric, the electric bill? And then my mom's like, oh, like, I don't know, I but it's because she gave money to my brother for groceries, but she lied to my dad because she don't want my dad to know. And like, you know how it is. Um, so yeah, I was just like, I'm, I don't want to be a part of their, you know, their fighting at home. So I'm just going to find a way to take care of it myself. And it's like, I'm young. Like my parents have worked so hard to like, you know, get us to where we're at now. Like I'm okay. Like, you know, working myself right now. I'm okay. Like doing all those things because they've already done their share. So I'm going to work, do what I need to do to like pay what I need. That's amazing. Well, I love your attitude about it that you definitely have the right attitude. It's also very inspirational because I don't think everybody at that age that you're at has that mindset that mentality so I love that I commend you for it like so hard um and I'm curious if that maybe had to do with you shifting over from public accounting to a different career path like or was that part of it like listen the only way I'm going to really be able to get this going is if more money more income is coming in or if it was something else like oh I just don't like public accounting anymore like what was the the impetus for that career change yeah good good question so I will say that when I went into public accounting, so me picking accounting as my degree first off, I didn't really know anything about degrees. Like I was just like, I just need something with job security. And then I don't even know how accounting came in. I think it came in because I was like, oh, I really like math, but I don't want to be like, I don't want to major in mathematics and I don't know, like become a math teacher. But in hindsight, you do so much more with a math degree. I just didn't know. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll do accounting because accounting involves math. So yeah, why not? Accountings are always needed. And then, you know, even throughout college, I was ha- having those doubts. I was like, do I really need to do this? But I was really good at it academically. You know, everyone was like, oh, you're going to be, you're so smart. Like, you're going to be a CPA. You're going to be like a partner at the firm, et cetera, et cetera. But I was just like having that gut feeling that like, I don't know if this is what I want. Um, just because so you're like, good at it doesn't team. mean that you love it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's the difference. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when I was like studying for the CPA, I honestly hated every second of it. Like it was like a nine to five. I was studying from like 8am to 5pm. The exam was 16 hours. Like it was a lot. And I, I hated, I had like all these breakdowns. I like, you know, I felt like I was like depressed. I hated my life. I, I was just like, I don't want to do this. And my 
dumb self was like, oh, I'm going to pay, pay for all the exams up front so I can hold myself accountable. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. I ended up taking two. I didn't pass them. Um, but I was just like, yeah, I don't want this. I'm not going to sit. I'll just let that money go to waste. Like, I don't even care because at least I, I'll be happier. Wow. So I let that go to waste. And then, yeah, I just wasn't enjoying my experience doing it. I didn't feel passionate about it. I did have previously like, campus recruiting experience. I'm a campus recruiter in talent acquisition. So I did have previous experience, like when I was doing my co-op. So that's what exposed me first off. So I was just like, you know, I really want to go back there. Like I like love, like, you know, meeting college students, especially other first gens, especially if they're a minority. I love just creating those relationships and talking to them and helping them get their dream job. So I was just like, you know what, like, let me try to make my way back. I'm still young in my career, so I might as well make the transition now until, like, you know, I wait longer and then it's going to be harder. I mean, yeah. it, was def- it definitely took some patience, but I have little of, but I mean, I did it. So now That's I'm awesome. happy to say that I love what I do. Um, so I don't know. To other people, I guess my takeaway here would be, you know, if you're doing something because you think it's like job security or for the money, like, you're, you're, you can only do that for so long because you, loving what you do really does matter. Absolutely. I cannot agree with that more because my first job out of the, out of college was a classroom teacher. And it's only because I graduated into like the tail end of the recession. I graduated in 2011, <laughs> the recession started in 2008. So it was only three years and it was kind of just starting to get better in like 2012. So it was hard to find a job. Everybody was graduating and couldn't find work and it was rough. And I, so joining a teaching program to, to me was easy. It was easy. Like I knew I was yeah. very confident that I was going to get accepted. I knew that I would be able to get placed. And I was like, you know what, I'll start working and making money right away. And I don't have to deal with this uncertain job economy. And once I started teaching, I love, love, loved it. The first year it was so hard, but it was like learning something totally different from everything that I'm good at. And like that challenge was like yeah. amazing to me. Like it kept my attention. It kept me interested. I was like, I want to be good at this. I want to get good at it. And then by my end of my second year, beginning of my third year teaching, I was like, okay, I feel like I get it. I'm good at it now. <laughs> And now I'm like, do I want to do this every day for the rest of my life and retire in this job? And that's when it hit me like, no, like I love the kids. I love teaching, but this specific like classroom teacher life is not the way that I want to spend the rest of my life. So it definitely hit me that I got to a point where I was like, I need to be passionate about what I'm doing. Otherwise I yeah. don't want to get up and go to work every day. I'm not going exactly. to want yeah. to. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, now you mentioned a little bit about your mom and I'm curious cause you kind of talked about like mom, like using the electric bill money to like give it to her son and like lie to dad about it, but like trying to be the rock, like moms always have to be the rock <laughs> of the family. And I could totally see a little bit of my mother in that story that you told about your mother. So it just made me curious to learn a little bit more about like your upbringing and also how, about how it had to do with money, because like, did your parents talk to you guys about money? Was it like a thing that was taboo or were there like money lessons that you can kind of remember from your parents, because I think like every family is different, but in, in, in a generalization of Latinx cultures across the board, it tends to be more on the taboo side. So yeah. I'm always curious. Um, so what was it like for you growing up with your family? Definitely on the taboo side, I will say that my parents are young parents. They got married and had their, you know, started the family when they were 18 and 20. So oh. fairly young. Um, my mom, where both of them basically grew up in the U.S., but my dad was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad didn't graduate from high school. My mom did. Um, but they were always just, like, very, like, hardworking. You know, like, my dad has his career in roofing. My mom now works at the post office. But growing up, my mom was always switching jobs because she had, you know, us, the kids, to raise. Right. And then it was just, you know, it's hard to, like, manage a job when you have kids. And my dad would, was essentially the breadwinner. Um, but I would say like in terms of where I come from, so I am from Stockton, California, if anyone from Stockton is listening. So if you know Stockton, you, that pretty much sums up my story on things. Um, but I would say more so my family is, I would say on the traditional side of things in terms of, well, like, why are you going to college? Find yourself a man, get married. Like you need to learn how to cook. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, like college isn't like who cares? It's so expensive. Like it's not worth it type of thing. That's like how their mentality is. But I would say my parents 
their mentality is a bit different in terms of they always just wanted the best for us. Um, but my dad like moved us. So I was born in Fairfield, California. And my dad moved us to Stockton when I was like, I think going into the third grade. And he moved us to get us away from the family and also get us away from those type of barriers, you know, like how my parents grew up and other people in my family are like, no one really makes it out. You get caught up in drugs, you get caught up in violence, you get caught up in gangs. Well, like gangs are a big thing over there. Um, And a lot of my family, that's the path they took. So no one ever really made it out. So my dad, since he like kind of had history in that path prior to, you know, becoming a dad and everything, he knew that what that lifestyle was like and he was just like you know like I don't want this for my kids we're gonna move somewhere else so at the time I hated him for moving us away from the family but now that I'm older I definitely appreciate those things that they've done um and I would say also that like my parents I'm also very grateful that my parents have always showed us that they truly cared about us because I have you know other cousins who they didn't have that same you know, love and care from their parents and right. they ended up down the wrong path. Um, yeah. So for that, I'll always be grateful that my parents, you know, they made time despite working long hours. They like made time to like come to our open house or what is it? Go, going back to school night. Yeah. Parent, and, like, teacher elementary, conference. middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always made time to do those things. Um, I'm very just grateful that my parents, you know, took that extra five minutes to you know, make to show us that, you know, we could be something when you're talking, I just think the word sacrifice, because it's funny that you said that you hated that your parents moved you, you were mad at your dad for moving you up and rooting you because like, that's all you knew your family was there, your friends, your school, everything, right. But it's interesting, because you probably think like, oh, he's doing this, and I hate it. And so it was probably so hard for him. It was probably such a sacrifice because it's not just your friends and your cousins and your family, it's his family too. But, you know, I always feel that conflict myself. Like now my, in a lot of my family members, thank goodness are kind of starting to see the light and like get more of their Mm -hmm. together, like, and and really focus on their financial goals and getting out of debt and and being better, a, a better next generation than the previous generation. But, you know, growing up, it was the same for me in the environment I did. It was a lot of gang activity, a lot of drugs, a lot of like all that kind of stuff. You could easily get tied up in it. And it, I can imagine like, if my parents had had more boys, because thank goodness they only have one boy of, of, of like of my age or older, like that he's older than me. And then all the other siblings were all girls. We were all girls. And then it was the, all the boys came last at the end. So I have three little brothers, but it's really hard oh. with teenage boys because that gang yeah. culture and the drug culture tends to really prey on boys, teenage boys, especially and young and preteen boys. So having us all as girls, it made my father like, uh, a girl dad really like he had one son but he was really a girl dad and I think like your dad being a girl dad also is like that kind of changes the way you parent it changes it a little because it makes you really think about daughters before, you know really and how you are going to be a father to your daughters and what kind of life you want to create for them so and especially in Latinx cultures where it's very gendered I hate to say that all cultures uh yeah, have a little bit is, of that though. in it because you know I don't I don't know if that's the case in other cultures but in Latinidad it is a very gendered culture mm-hmm. um so much so that a lot of people think it's a fault to to our culture that we are that way but like I just it's just something that I see it more as sacrifice that he made and it was probably so hard for him to pick you guys up and move and move the whole family because he, he probably wanted the easy route, which is to just stay with the family and to just, you know, he, that's what, you know, it's comfortable, it's easy, but he knew, okay, it's going to, the easy route is not going to be the best route. Usually the hardest route is usually the way, the better way out. And, you know, so it's funny. You're like, I hated him for it. But now you see the value in that. Sacrifice yeah, I see. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I feel like my parents are the only ones who I feel like have made it out. Like even yeah. other family members are just like, oh, like, you know, they think they're too good. Like, you know, they, mm-hmm. you always the get mentality. that off, right? Because of yeah, course. So that's yeah. always been hard to this day. Yeah. And you know what that just to me, as I've gotten to a point where I I noticed that in my own family, like where those mentalities sit and lie, like it to me, it teaches me that like their mentality is fixed. And when you Mm -hmm. feel you believe you can grow and change and get better and progress and and like do better than especially for the next generation, like you have a growth mindset, you don't think that your your life is fixed and that you can't change it. And your father and and your mother 
they had that growth mindset. Like, why would we think that we can't change our circumstances? Like, okay, we can't change what we were born into, but we can change where we're going. And so why not? Like, Mm -hmm. versus some of our other family members, like they're always going to have that fixed (laughs) mindset of like, look, this is what it is. Is this is life for us that you guys want to change and go off and be like, whatever, that's you. We, we're going to stay this way because this is who we are. It's like, that's to me, that's a reflection of a fixed mindset. Listen, hats off to your parents because that is not easy to to make like those kind of changes in your life. And, you know, really want, not just want better for your kids, but actually do better, be a model for that. So that's amazing. Um, All right. Well, I wanted to kind of just hear what you have to say about like a lot of people struggling. They cannot like figure it out, like how to manage their debt, especially if you are experiencing a big amount of student loan debt because student loans right now is a huge issue. So what would you say if they're really struggling to get a hold of their student loan debt, just to wrap their brain around the situation and try to get some results? uh, What, you know, what would you say from your experiences, any tips, any strategies, anything that you feel like would be a good source of motivation for them? Yeah. So I guess off the back, I do just want to say like that the way someone looks at it. So like their mindset really does matter. Cause again, for me, I was just like, I have so much, I have 120K debt. I don't even have like my salary was like half that size at the time. Like that isn't just, that doesn't make mathematical sense. Um, So I think everyone just needs to get into that right mindset first, you know, foremost, like if you really want to be debt-free, you will be debt-free. Like I strongly believe that and you don't have to be making you know, a six-figure salary. You don't have to be, you know, bring in so much money. Like, even if you make, let's say, 50000 like, you could still, you know, pay off your debt. It'll just obviously be a slower journey. I know yeah. mine was very aggressive. Yeah. But again, I think everyone's journey is different. So right. I think you can never compare yours to someone else's. Your struggles are different than, you know, this person's. Everyone's is just different. Um, so I think on that note, like, I think a lot of people are so scared to even look at the reality of things, like how I mentioned, you know, I didn't even want to check until I had to make the first payment. So I would just say, you know, like accept reality and actually see what your balance is. Like how much do you owe? Um, How much do you actually bring in? Like compare your assets to your liabilities, look at where your money is going. I know when I look at like my, so I never use my debit card. I always use my credit card. So I'm always about the points. Um, So when I looked at my credit card statement, I was like, I think this month I was like, how is it like 700 that I owe now? Where did my money go? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, my Ubers, my this, because I was moving, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I think really just it looking adds up. at all the little things. Yeah, look, yep. So look at your statement, see where your money's going. It'll be very eye opening. And I think that's what a lot of people need because we tend to avoid those things because, again, we don't want to face reality. We, won't, we don't want to take the responsibility of those things. But I think we need to face it first off. Um, and I think that really just helps, at least that helped me, you know, it helped me see like, why was I spending so much money on, you know, going out to eat when I could like meal prep, I could like cook at home or why was I ordering all these Ubers? Like I could just take the subway or I could just walk. I need to just stop being lazy. Like just little things like that. And I, (laughs) I know it's easier said than done. Like I completely get that. But I think being in that right mindset is really just key. And I just can't express that enough. Um, actually believing in yourself too. I know I always gave myself like little money affirmations. You have to surround yourself by the right people. You don't need people bringing you down because you're not going to get any, anywhere if you have those people. You know, make a smart plan, start small. And I think tracking your progress helps. I know I'm someone who likes to reflect on what I've done and that is what motivates me to keep going. You know, seeing that progress, seeing my balance decrease, um, setting a day on when I want to essentially be done. So all those little things, I think, really do help. They definitely do. I'm thinking about all the other parts of my life where like tracking my progress really motivates me. Like when I was doing Duolingo, I was doing Duolingo consistently trying to really <laughs> improve my Spanish because my Spanish, I, my parents. I need they, to do that. A girl, look, I, it was, it was the <laughs> thing like, that oh, I had to say. You're Americanized. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is too, is like, not only are we Americanized, but it almost is like, depending on how you learned you it could really impact how you how you speak because my parents they never like 
bought us like books in Spanish or made us listen to, to TV in Spanish. Like everything in my house was learn English as fast as you can, assimilate in the school, do well in class. In order to do that, you had to be really good at English. So my parents were getting us library books that had the cassette tape in it. And then you put it, the cassette tape <laughs> and you hear, you hear the lady read the book with while you're reading the book with her. Like we had a lot of English around. My parents were the only two speaking Spanish in my house. All the brothers and sisters, we used to speak English to each other. So even though I heard my parents speaking Spanish all the time and I picked up a lot of it, it was kind of like choppy. Like it was like Spanglish and yeah. like, you know, so my Spanish is definitely by no means perfect at all. Like I'm confident about my accent. I'm confident about my understanding. But when I speak sometimes like grammatical errors or like a vocabulary word mm -hmm. here or there that I don't know. And so I just wanted to like give myself a boost of confidence. So I started doing Duolingo. And to your point, like how you said, like tracking your progress is really important and motivating. Yeah. And guess what? These fintech companies, they know that. And so they're building that in, not even just fintech companies, just corporations. They're building that into their model. Like I think about Peloton and how Peloton, like if you get on a Peloton bike and then you do a workout, the, they start like just inundating you with data. Like this yeah. is how fast you did. This is your heart rate when you were working out. This is how many calories you burned. This is how many songs you listen to. These is the, this is how many people from social media that you know were Peloton biking at the same time as you. This is like, it's like, oh my God. And the data, it's like you, at first it's kind of a lot. And once you start digging in, you actually realize like, wow, this is so cool because you're tracking everything and able to see like, am I getting better? And that's the whole point. The whole point is, are you getting better? Are you running faster? Are you running longer? Do you yep. have more endurance? Are you getting, you know, like whatever your goal is. And the only way to know if you are getting better and progressing is by tracking it. So you can compare now to how you were yesterday. So I absolutely agree. Like tracking, that was the last point you made, but that one for me is such a big reason why I was able to get out of credit card debt, why I've been successful financially beyond getting out of debt, because I'm tracking everything. I track my net worth. I share it on my Instagram. I talk a lot about, because if you don't track, you don't know where you at. You don't know where you at. Good luck. Because <laughs> you, because you're exactly. not going to, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you're at. And I also do, since you mentioned like credit card debt, reminding me of my mom. So she has like some credit card debt and she's been asking me for help more. And usually mm -hmm. like, my mom will ask me, you know, for like advice here and there. My dad, no, that's another story. You know, it's like all about the machismo. So he will never. <laughs> yes. But my mom has his daughter so for help. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to say like, definitely ask for help. Because again, like I know I even struggle with asking for help because I like think I could do everything on my own and stuff like that. Um, but even like, again, my mom, she would ask me for help or advice. Like when she got her third tax refund, she was surprised they got a refund. She was like, oh, how should I like use this money should I pay off the credit card debt should I just put it in savings I was like no pay off the credit card debt um so things like that so like get over the pride which I know that's hard to do because I still struggle with that too but get over the pride and ask for help if you don't know much about like your student loans or if you don't know much about your credit card debt ask someone like there's people out there who want to help you or you could yes. use google like you know there's like free services you don't have to like spend more money to get you know this help because there's a lot of free knowledge out there and pe yep. like people post things to educate other people for free so definitely yes. just you know look for those things there's so much content out there that yeah. you can find you just have to be looking for it otherwise you're never going to find it you mm -hmm. got to be the one to go out there and do the searching type in the keywords yep, exactly and like no one's going to do it for you <laughs> exactly um, so we talked about a few things. I wrote down a few things that you said. So mindset first, don't compare yourself to others. Um, don't be scared to find out your reality. Look at your numbers because it can be eye-opening. Keep positive people around you that are inspiring and motivating you because if you have negative people around you, they're going to pull you down, right? And also track yep. your progress. Now, so I'm curious to flip that and to frame it the other way. What are maybe two or three things that you really wish that you did not do maybe mistakes that you made when you were on your journey to pay off all of that debt. Um, maybe three things that you're like, ah, these are things that I just did wrong. And I wish I could you know, change it with my student loan situation or in general um, that maybe other people could hear and go like, okay, I got to remember not to do that. Yeah. So I would say definitely not facing reality or looking at my balances earlier, because again, I was just like avoiding the responsibility of it, right. By not looking so had I looked earlier, I probably would have been able to develop more of a plan early on and tackle it faster. Um, another one would more. probably be... Because the, the yeah, earlier you exactly. start, the more you save because on interest, yep. Exactly, yep. Um, and then another thing that I also realized when you go to college, like you sometimes get like, you know, you pay 
for the ballot in the beginning of the school year, the beginning of each term. And then if you get like a scholarship throughout the school year, then you get like a credit back if you already paid. So that happened a good amount of times where I was getting these scholarships and I was getting the credit back. And I was like, oh, like, you know, like $3,000 coming back to me. Yay, like more money for me to spend or whatever. Miami, here I come. (laughs) Yeah, but in hindsight, that was me getting back the money that I borrowed. But I wasn't putting that money back to, you know, the loans. I was keeping it. So had I had like put that money from all those refund checks towards my loans, I would have had a lot less of loans or I could have easily shaved them off. And I know like (laughs) a lot of people are guilty of doing that. I was definitely one of those because I just, again, I was just seeing money coming in and that made me feel like I was good and I had money. But again, I should have been giving that money right back because that technically wasn't even my money. Exactly. (laughs) And then I do... Oh, sorry. I do want to add another one that it's like, I don't have, I want to frame it the right way. So I would say me, I was very naive in the beginning, right? When I chose to go to Drexel, I was like, my parents were like, oh, you go to whatever school you want, like no problem. So in this instance, I'll say that don't always just listen to what people tell you in terms of like my parents said, oh, don't worry about it. Money's not an issue. Money is an issue. Mm. Like I should have, you know, looked into it myself, even instead of just listening, you know, educate yourself first, know what you're doing. Because again, I wish I, you know, could have done more of that instead. I was just, I knew how much I was signing for in terms of taking out, you know, the amount of money that I needed, but I didn't really know all of my options. Um, You know, some people do community college instead of going straight to the four year. I had that mindset because of my parents that I'm too good for community college. I should go straight into, you know, a university. But if I went to a community college, I could have, could have saved money. And I probably, you know, like, who knows where I would be. I might be where I am today. Like, you know, like community college isn't bad. You have to like pick and choose what you want. But if you go to community college, you're probably going to save money. So I do want to just say that too. That's a great point because um, it makes me think about the fact that we often take advice from people who mean well but they're just not an expert in that, in that topic. So if you're not an expert in that topic, you should not be giving advice about that topic because you, you don't have an expertise in that topic. You know, I would never give somebody advice about, you know, brain surgery and neuroscience because I got zero expertise in neuroscience and brain surgery. So nobody should listen to me when we're talking about that like please lord no don't listen to me when i talk about that but at the same time here are your parents who they meant so well they meant everything well to help guide their daughter to give you better opportunity than they had but both of them came here your dad did high school you said and they didn't go to college so giving you advice about how to go to college and paying for college it's kind of like they are not in the position they don't have that expertise to give you that advice so mm-hmm. What we need to do is ask ourselves, who is the person that is giving us this advice? And it doesn't matter how well-meaning they are. Do they have experiences and knowledge that align with that topic to put them in a qualified position to even give me this advice in the first place? Much as I love mom and dad, let me tell you, my mom and dad didn't go to college just like, you know, I'm first generation, just like you. And I I don't think my mom and dad even could even make up advice about college because they never even been to college to give me advice about it. But if they had told me something, I just, I would remember like, you know, thinking to myself, like, how do they know they didn't go, they didn't go to college. So make sure that we're talking to people, you're talking to people that are qualified to give you the advice about that topic that you're talking to them about and do your research, find out how, if they call themselves an expert and qualified, how, how come research that person and find out what are their qualifications and their experiences that really do make them qualified to talk about that topic so that you don't get misguided advice, even if it is (laughs) well-meaning, it might just be the wrong advice. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I think you said it pretty good. <laughs> All right, girl. Well, I have, I love this conversation, girl. We could talk, keep talking for hours. I feel like you have so much wisdom at such a young age and your story is incredibly motivating. Your ambition, your drive, your like, Thank just your you. sense of like your moral compass too, to like make sure do you do right by your parents, despite what your siblings have done or what other people in your family might do. You, Which you now they are them. taking accountability. So let me just Yay! say that. <laughs> yes. To your, is I'm it brothers and sisters that, yes. or is it, is it brothers and sisters or just sisters? Or just one brother, one sister. Okay, now good. they are taking okay. accountability. Amazing. Look, hats off to your brother and sister for both fatigue and accountability because it's not easy, man. It's not easy. And just being able to- It sucks, but 
Yes, yeah. yes, it does. It, exactly. If you could sum it up in two words, it sucks. Taking all of that wisdom that you've uh, given us a snippet of today and bottling it up into one money mantra, what would you say you would put on every dollar bill to help people just kind of realign themselves with the right way to handle money? Yeah, and I love this because again, I I was like a big money affirmation person when I was tackling my journey because I, I needed it to keep going. Yeah. Um, so on that note, I will say that it would be, assuming I still have debt, it would be, I will be debt-free and I am worthy of achieving financial freedom. Yes, and now yes. I am debt-free and I am still working on fully achieving that financial freedom. So more <sighs> to come. <laughs> Amazing. Congratulations on being debt-free, Sophia. That's incredible. And Again, just Thank congrats on, on doing it at such a young age. You know, like when I was your age, I was actually just starting to look up how much I owed on my credit cards. Like for the first time looking at it, like my balance, you know, and I, and yeah. that to me, I thought I had an advantage and I was so young to, to do it when I, in my mid twenties and here you are completely finishing out your, your, you know, getting out of that debt at this age. So amazing, amazing that you're doing that. Um, if anybody is like, Sophia is like the bomb and I want to reach out to her and connect with her. Where can they, where can they reach out to you and find you to let them, let you know that they felt inspired by your story? Yeah. So I did make um, a little like personal finance type of Instagram called Saving yeah. with Sophie. So Sophie, S-O-F-I-E. Um, so there I do share more transparently, like my student loan numbers, how I was tackling it without making a six-figure salary. Yeah. And really just, you know, sharing my side of things that I've experienced you know, within my early professional life and even throughout college. So definitely check it out if you're interested. That's Saving with Sophie on Instagram. Um, or if you want to connect with me professionally, obviously you can look me up on LinkedIn, Sophia Basida. Um, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions there. And again, like I just love doing these things because I know that there's so many other people out there who just feel shameful, embarrassed. They feel stupid because I felt all of those when I saw my, my student loan balance. So definitely don't feel that way. Um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like you can do it. Like, you know, just mindset, discipline, you got it. So I just really just hope that, you know, if you're listening to this, definitely I want to leave this with you feeling inspired and know that you can pay off your debt. Yes, girl. That's exactly what you've achieved. I feel inspired by your story and myself. And, you know, I, I talked to so many people on the show. And so definitely an inspiring story for sure, for sure. All right, everybody. So you heard it. So uh, Saving with Sophie, I will put the link to that in the, in the show notes, as well as the LinkedIn in case anybody wants to connect with Sophia. And thank you so much, Sophie, for being on the show, for sharing your story and taking the time to really just dive into all of the wisdom that you've gotten from your experiences and the knowledge that you now have. Um, it's It's been awesome to learn about you. And it was so great to connect with you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. I love the energy, as I mentioned in the beginning. So I love what you do. Keep doing what you do. You're amazing. Thank you.